Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to the Cyber Law Revolution podcast. Been a, a little bit of an off time right now, a lot going on between the holiday, between going to the Net Diligence Conference, getting to see a lot of people I haven't seen for got about a year and a half, so that was great. But we're back, and a lot of things obviously have happened in the past two weeks. Uh, today, let's uh, talk about two big events. First, obviously, the Kasaya breach. And second, let's we're going to be talking about the Biden administration and their $10 million reward for information leading to the capture of these ransomware groups and their continued focus on major public um, industries. But let's start with the Kasaya mega breach that occurred on that Friday afternoon, July the 2nd, leading into July the 4th weekend, which just let me tell you, for incident responders, breach coaches, forensics, insurers, obviously, and the businesses impacted, made for a lovely July 4th weekend. So quick background, what was the Kasaya breach? So first, Kasaya is a large company that provides software and most pertinently security software to manage service providers. Think external IT. And Kasaya offers great products, great security. The problem is they were infiltrated by hackers who were then able to get into these managed service providers for a security patch update. Once in, the hackers, the group Revel, launched a mass-scale encryption and ransomware event against thousands of companies using 50 managed service providers. So once again, we go back to that discussion about managed service providers and the vulnerability that we now all have with this because a managed service provider services hundreds of companies as we now see from this attack. So if a hacker gets into one of these companies, then they're into thousands of other companies. So rather than having to get into a thousand companies, all they had to do was get into one. So once in, they launched first a massive encryption event, encrypting all of these businesses' servers, information data. Luckily, it doesn't look like they were able to take data because of how quickly this happened and how quickly they these the ransomware group Revel had to act, act in this instance because they knew that people were going to catch on very quickly and shut down their servers, shut off access. So that was the lucky part in terms of the majority of businesses did not experience their data getting stolen. Obviously, the horrible and unlucky part of this was the massive business interruption. Companies, all, all these companies lost access to their business operations and had to scramble to get back up and running. The next thing that happened was Revel started negotiating with everyone. You know, initially the demand to Kasaya was close to a billion dollars. They reduced that to around 70 million. But then they started negotiating individually with the businesses impacted, and they were doing it based off of the amount of number of PCs impacted. It was a very clever business scheme. And some people paid, some people didn't pay. There's no, I'm not passing judgment one way or the other. But it just shows how sophisticated these groups are. It shows how sophisticated these attacks are. 
multi-factor authentication didn't matter in this. So you hear a lot about how multi-factor authentication, remote desktop ports, they're a huge cause of breaches. They are. And if you can circumvent those and get more protections around that and implement protections with multi-factor authentication, you're going to cut down on the amount of easy breaches. The problem is these hackers are sophisticated. They seem to be one step ahead of us. And they're going to continue to do this. So once again, the businesses that were in a better position during the Kasaya breach were the ones that were prepared for it, the ones that had the plans in place, had the appropriate insurance coverage, had the teams in place, both internal and external, and were able to react very quickly. They were, they had their contracts with their vendors already at hand, so they knew who they had to notify immediately. They were able to implement this plan, the, data, the uh, incident response plan, to really minimize, minimize the harm that could come from this incident. So I'm a broken record, but it's the truth. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Prepare for these events because you'll be in a better position to deal with it. Now let's shift to talk about the more geopolitical aspects of these breaches and the government's response to this. Well, the government came out similar to after SolarWinds, after Colonial Pipeline, with a lot of hard talk, a lot of red line talk. And now they've launched a website to help people who are dealing with ransomware. They've consolidated some resources, and now they're offering a $10 million reward for information leading to the identity of these ransomware groups. All very nice steps, all very good steps. But it's not enough. It, it just isn't. First, these groups are going to keep creating new groups and spinoff groups because they don't need to get organized. It literally can be Spencer Pollock in his basement finding ransomware software code, buying it, creating it myself, and then launching it. The only way to curtail this is to go after the governments who are supporting these people. And we're joking and kidding ourselves if we really don't think a government like Russia is supporting this. They might not come out and say it, but the truth is these groups don't attack Russian companies. They don't attack Chinese companies. They don't attack Iranian companies. Why? Because they're supported by the governments and they don't want to bite the hand that feed them. You know, these governments probably aren't getting monetary value from it, but I can guarantee the impact on our country and the Western countries and the industries that are being attacked directly benefit them because it sows chaos, confusion, and harm to our society. I'm very firm and adamant about this. I hope our government is taking lots of covert actions against these uh, companies, against these countries and these groups that we don't know about, but I have a feeling they're not. You know, Revel, one of the major hacking groups that was behind specifically this recent one, the Kasaya, you know, basically closed up shop. All their websites went down. But to me, that could just be a smokescreen. They're just going to rebrand and come back. It's too profitable. It's too easy to mask themselves. And I think some of these uh, more nefarious governments might lean on these groups right now to quiet things down a little bit, to tamp things down, to make us forget. 
But this is going to take constant vigilance from the government and our private industries. But it's also going to take a shift from our government to really start talking about not just public infrastructure. We keep hammering and hearing the media and hearing the government say, well, we're going to protect public infrastructure, energy, uh, transportation, key parts of our society. I get that. We need to. But what about the hospitals? What about the schools? What about the retailers? I mean, these are legitimately institutions and organizations being shut down and crippled because of these nefarious actors. I really want the government to draw that red line for everyone and start looking to protect everyone, dedicating more resources to this problem, helping educate organizations, passing a federal law, bipartisan, to to make companies get compliant with best practices, to further prevent and mitigate these harms. But I'm a dreamer. I'm an optimist and a cynic. I know that's a contradiction of terms, but it's the truth. But I'm hopeful that we get there someday. But until then, it's going to fall on us. It's going to fall on citizens, individuals. We're going to have to take personal responsibility for this. We're going to have to do this ourselves until the government actually wants to step up. And that's fine. Because as Americans, we're resilient. We're strong. And we overcome. So it's going to be keep banding together, keep working to protect ourselves, and basically becoming proactive. And I'm not saying launching proactive cyber strikes in a private organization, because that is illegal. I'm saying proactive in terms of proactive defensive measures, training employees, implementing best practices, procedures, protocols, getting legally compliant, incorporating your teams, external, internal. All of these different factors. Because the more we do that, the better position we're going to be in. I think I forgot at the beginning of the podcast to say I'm Spencer Pollock, cybersecurity attorney at Whiteford Taylor and Preston and host of the Cyber Law Revolution podcast. But did it now. Keep those questions, comments, calls coming. Call me 410-917-5189 or email me at spollock, that's P as in Paul, O-L-L-O-C-K at WTPlaw.com. Going to get some more speakers coming on soon because I know you're probably getting boring, bored of me droning on um, on my pedestal and these monologues but got some good speakers coming uh good perspectives from security experts insurance experts we're going to talk about the current state of the market current threats out there and so tune in next time and have a great morning great afternoon or great evening thanks